time to buy in. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Let's start the hour. Welcome to this week's episode of the Noble Capital Radio Hour, where we explore income strategies for the modern financial landscape. I'm Sean Harris. And to the left of me is the Sultan of Financial Security. The soldier of fortune, the man with the income plan, Mr. Jess Hamill. Good morning. Well, that's a lot to live up to. And to my right, the pioneer of private lending, the captain of capital, the people's champion, Mr. Jaden Newman. Gentlemen, welcome to the airwaves. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, Sean. Thank you for the introduction. I, I was able to hold back my giggles. <laughs> Jess was kind of giggling. He gets cooler with that every episode, I swear. Yeah. Well, I, I put in a little bit of time each week to, you know, try to make you guys sound as cool as I can. So, You've given us a lot to live up to. Yeah, how was everybody's week? Wet. Yeah, yes, but <laughs> I'm glad summer's over. I mean, winter. <laughs> yeah, it seemed. It, what what season is it again? I know. You know, yeah. it's it's strange. I'm already seeing the the trees start to bud a little bit. We're not halfway through February, but that's a Texas winter for you, I think. Yeah, right? My grass is starting to green up a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's coming. We mowed, I, we mowed our lawn last week. Wow, you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a fun tip. Uh, Valentine's Day was, was last week, and they say that that's the day you're supposed to actually trim your rose bushes back. I, I have a couple rose bushes, oh, and we, I, this is the first time I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, we we but didn't you trim them way back, and, and we didn't do healthy it. Rose bushes. Yeah, did you I did miss not it? Know that. We we missed it, but we do have rose bushes. Try, I think you still might have a little window here. Go yeah, <laughs> as long as we don't get another freeze. Yep, <laughs> it's good to know. I've got rose bushes walking right up to the front door. Yeah, and I go into the garage, so I never see them. Time yeah. to whack them. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. So I gotta tell you guys, I woke up this morning, and every day when I wake up. The first thing I do, I do the same thing every day. Yeah, me too. First thing I do is I look through Forbes' list of the richest people in America. And I wasn't on that list, so I came to work. There you go. <laughs> You got to have something to work towards, right? Yeah. Forbes, yeah. I, you haven't quite made that one, Sean? No, I mean, I, I'm going to have to keep working until I get there. So here I am. I'm here at work. Maybe, well, we're maybe, gonna do it maybe together. tomorrow I'm not on that list either. <laughs> maybe tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, on the the topic of net worth or or income, I came across something this week that I actually thought was pretty interesting, and it was about retirement. And I came across across a quote, and it is wasn't attributed to anybody, so I can't give credit where credit is due. But the quote was, the question isn't at what age you want to retire. It's at what income. Hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting because that's a very different way of looking at retirement than I think the conventional wisdom suggests. But before we get too deep into it, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, 
The show was called A Journey of a Thousand Miles. And we talked about some of the different phases of retirement planning and how those different phases affect the way that you approach your retirement income strategy. So if you haven't heard that one, I encourage you all to go find us wherever you get your podcasts and you can play that episode at your convenience. And again, we are Noble Capital Wealth Management. We're a financial advising and retirement planning firm based here in Austin, Texas. If you want to learn more about us, attend a retirement blueprint dinner. We hold these a couple times a month here in Austin, and you can RSVP by going to noblecapital.com, click on retirement dinners, and then you can pick the specific date and location that you'd like to RSVP for. We do have one coming up this coming Tuesday at True Lux, and we also have one scheduled for Thursday, March 7th at Fleming's. So again, noblecapital.com, click on retirement dinners, RSVP to come and see us. So back to the topic, today's show is called simply at what income and we're going to talk about how to achieve your target lifestyle during retirement. But back to the conventional wisdom, you retire at 65 when you can draw Social Security and, and that's it, right? It's the way it used to be. Um, you know, the, the, what you said about at what income level, that's going to be pretty subjective to different people. But I think across the board, what I'm seeing, at least with my clients, is that probably 80% of my clients are generating more income in retirement than they did working. Um, nobody wants to get to 65 and be worn out and sit on the couch and watch football anymore. They want to go out and actually do all the stuff that they didn't get to do or didn't get to do as much of as they wanted to. So I know for myself, um, when I do retire and I don't know what age that's going to be, that's when I'm going to start living large. And that's what I help my clients do. Yeah. So what does that require? I mean, obviously you can't go out there and live your dreams on social security, right? (laughs) Not with the type of dreams that I'm used to dealing with, no. So, you know, a lot of planning, we can say it a million times, but positioning your nest egg that you've worked so hard to achieve, going through the ups and downs of the stock market and various life events that may have caused you to dip into it, the uh, the nest egg is what it is when you get to me. And mm-hmm. my goal is to take it and position it in such a way that it is laid out the most efficiently, um, pay the least amount of tax, and last as long as possible. So before we get too into the weeds on that, I, I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, I've got a 401k. Uh, maybe they have a pension. And th- this is the part where I typically say, what's a pension? <laughs> As you know, they're pretty rare nowadays. But do you, do you typically see a lot of people that come to you with just Social Security, 401k on the table, a little bit of savings? Or you know, what are we talking about? Quite a bit. I mean, you know, the Social Security, the amount of the Social Security relative to the amount of income that needs to be generated for my typical client is a pretty small percentage of that. Um, uh, you know, 401k or IRAs, whether they're Roth or traditional, is where a lot of people seem to have the majority of their income. I do have some people that come in here with a couple of million dollars in non-qualified just sitting in a bank somewhere, and I just kind of cringe when I see that. Um, but it's a matter, like I said, of taking those lump sums and turning them into reliable and predictable income streams that are the, as tax efficient as they can be. Yeah. What's your take on that, Jaden? Well, this this whole conversation is really the at the crux of what of what we do at Noble Capital Wealth Management. And you know, the the big question people have in when they have when they come in to visit with us is, in in so many words, they're they're wanting to know our opinion or our our answer confirmation can i retire is what they want to know so for us to answer that the 
the quick answer is, well, do, you know, show me your, your retirement income plan, and then I'll tell you if you can retire or not. Right. And it's, what income plan? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not when Social Security tells you you can retire. It's not when Denny's, you know, you get a discount at Denny's or you can join AARP. The, the driver is your retirement income plan because retirement is financial independence. So the yeah. question is, can you be financially independent from a paycheck for the rest of your life? based on your planning and the assets you've put together. So some of that, my dad used to call uh, whenever we would, you know, misbehave. He, he sometimes would tell us that's that stinking thinking, uh, the, the way that we were, you know, talking to each other or behaving as siblings. But there is some stinking thinking out there when it comes to retirement income planning. And this is something we, we deal with with our clients right up front because they're walking in the door. These are these are higher net worth clients, Sean. I mean, our, our clients have done substantially well. And like Jess says, Social Security is just a fraction of the income that they're going to be bringing in in retirement. Mm-hmm. So, you know, without a pension or this other structure in place, where's your structured, well thought through income plan? And that yeah. seems to be what's missing the most when people show up. And, you know, we do this every day. Our thought process is retirement income, and it amazes me how many clients come in and that word income doesn't even enter into retirement. They're still thinking spin down. Develop yeah. a nest egg, spin it down slowly, hope that it run, or that you run out before it does. Yeah. Um, and there's just, there's, that's not a plan. Yeah, and, and the regular nomenclature is retirement savings. That's exactly. what we think. We right. think retirement savings. So this idea of retirement income is maybe a little bit foreign to people it is it's one of those things that makes perfect sense when you think about it but it's not the typical line of thinking that most people go to and it's not just where where are you going to get the money and and how much it's also what's the right order of battle to draw down income and also how do you do this in the most tax efficient way and how do you follow all the regulations with your iras and rmd and what do you plan on for health care and all it opens up a whole conversation which is really right at the the center of the bullseye when you're talking about building that that confidence in 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 retirement that everybody wants yeah and taxation is a huge part of it a lot of our clients have got plenty of money when they get here they're not going to run out but what is the way to spend it and not give more to the government than you really need to okay that makes sense well when we come back from the break let's talk a little bit about how you determine what that income should look like, because I think a lot of people out there maybe don't even know how much income or how much money they do need to retire. So hang on, folks. We'll be right back after this break. Teen 70. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Welcome back to the show where we're talking about the right way to think about your retirement income. In the last segment, we were talking a little bit about two different ideas. One was what age are you going to retire? But probably the more informed way to think about it is at what income you will retire. So we're talking about setting people up with regular income during retirement in order to fulfill their needs. But we're also talking about something else. It's not just about your needs and your baseline budget, right? It's like, what do you want your retirement to look like? So how do you go about determining that in order to even get 
a round number in your head about how much income you need. Well, it's a process. It's not something we just pull out of the air, but we start with the lifestyle that the clients are currently living, see what that's costing them. If their burn rate is 100000 a year or 200000 a year, it is whatever it is. Then once that's identified, we decide how much we're going to bump that up for the lifestyle, and then I'll mathematically solve that for the rest of their life adjusted for inflation. Then once we have a baseline, then we start moving things around. So I'm pretty sure that at 90, I'm not going to be going as hard as I was at 60. Are you sure? So <laughs> You never know with me, right? But the average client wants to uh, spend more time having fun when they're young enough to actually enjoy it. So we mathematically solve it across the span of their lifetime, and then we start robbing from the 90s and start piling in on the 60s and 70s so that we've got somewhat of a bell curve along the line there so they have more fun while they can enjoy it. And then as they start to slow down, they don't need quite as much income. So the income doesn't stay at the same level throughout retirement is what you're saying. Right. So it doesn't stay flat because of inflation. So it increases proportional to inflation. And then gotcha. we start backing it up to the years where they really want to you know, go all out. Okay. That's great. And Jess just nailed it. I mean, a, a really well thought out plan that builds in taxes and inflation on, on the income planning side. Big, big picture, a couple of things I'll point out. And this, this is, again, I'm, I'm talking to you know, high net worth clients uh, here. We, one of the things we want to find out, Jess alluded to it in the last segment was, are you, is, how important is it that you want to leave a legacy or leave an inheritance to your, your beneficiaries? Because you might have somebody come in that, that literally wants to bounce their last check uh, versus someone that really wants to preserve the wealth, uh, live a nice lifestyle in retirement, and then pass on a legacy to the next generation. Jess has the ability to customize that plan to accomplish just that. And that's that's a beautiful thing because not everybody coming in is equal. So you, you got to find out their profile, right? Or or want to leave an inheritance or not. Another big one that I'll start a, a conversation on is really risk profile of that income. You know, everybody talks about risk profile, like the, the old pie chart showing how much risk you have in each category on your whole investment portfolio. Mm-hmm. But has anyone ever thought about looking at one of those pie charts for exactly where your income's coming from for the rest of your life? And not only one time, but literally, you could look at it at age at 55, 60, 65, 70, and, and manage the, the risk you're taking to get that income. I think it's critical to have that stability and, and that, that fulfillment that we're looking for in retirement. So that's a little bit uh, – that's kind of similar to what we were talking about last week. We were kind of talking about the different phases of retirement because we are kind of looking at different approaches to risk throughout these different phases of income planning, right? Exactly. So the, the older we get, the less risk we want to take. Nobody wants to go back to work at 75, um, and nobody wants to spend their whole life saving, investing – take off out of retirement, um, out of the chute, doing really well, and then all of a sudden have a, a big issue in the stock market or some other investment and have to make a drastic change to your lifestyle. Um, surprises are not good in retirement. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what you're talking about really seems like it goes way beyond just talking about retirement, right? Because, Jaden, you're talking about leaving a legacy and we're talking about having enough income to last your entire life. But... I, I'm a little bit confused. Maybe I'm missing something. How do you know when you're when your client plans to die? We don't. I typically plan for ninety, um, and then make sure we've got enough contingency built in for that. But it, it depends on the portfolio and the age. So the three things that are the main factors on that are 
how much money or, or how big is the portfolio? What is the level of income that they're looking for and how old are they? So if I've got somebody that comes in that's living on today's equivalence of $100,000 and they're 65 and they've got $10 million, that's, that's easy. At that point, we're just basically doing tax planning. But I do have a lot of clients that want to maximize it out. They still want to have some left over if it's there, but they want to live the, the nicest lifestyle they can on the portfolio they can with the least amount of risk. And that's juggling balls. Yeah, it's cool you, that you have the, the tools to optimize that. And, you know, Sean, the answer is, you know, we ask people when they're going to die. How do yeah. they look at you when you ask them that question? <laughs> yeah, it's always a fun conversation, <laughs> and it, but it, it, it goes deeper. You know, how, how long did your, your mom and dad live? What's your family health history? Let's, we have actuarial data that shows the average lifespans of, of folks. Um, but we, the cool thing about the tools that we use is, is we can stress it. What if you live to you know, 90, 95, 100, 105? Mm-hmm. So it, it's important to look at those things when we're talking about long-term planning um, over your entire lifetime. So yeah. what's even more notable is not how do they look at me when I ask them when they're, they're going to die, but how I end up looking at them when they surprise me. I had a perfectly healthy woman come in the other day, um, her and her husband, you know, both in great shape, a little bit of an age difference. She was about 55 and she, she said, plan until 80. I was like, why? That's still young. So, well, you know, my grandmother and my mom, they, they didn't make it past 80. So I'm going to die at 80. And I'm just looking mm-hmm. at her going, you're in great health. You have no health issues. You almost want to say, no, that's, that's crazy. crazy. No, that's what I told her. No, I'm, I'm planning until 90, yeah. whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, and I mean, I think on the safe side, it's better to overshoot regardless. Even if you only think you're going to live till 80, even if, if every person in your family died on their 80th birthday and you're convinced you're only going to live till 80, well, why not build your income plan to last to 90 just in case, right? Right. But there's still some people that's, they're, they're sticking their head in their sand. Their portfolio is not really big enough to leave the lifestyle they want through 90. Yeah. So not only are they convinced already that they're not going to make it past 80, they're going to spend as if they're not going to make it past 80. And then they get to 81, 82, 83, and all of a sudden we've got a huge problem. So yeah. that, is, that doesn't happen in my office. Yeah. You know, for... For our sports fans, clients out there, you, you, you can think of yourself as a professional athlete. And when you retire, you no longer have those big paychecks coming in anymore. So obviously, if you're, if you're foolish, you don't have a plan, a, a spending plan or an income plan. So that's when you, you hear these stories of folks just going out and essentially what Jess called a spend down plan. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm just going to spend it down you know, and take a look at it every once in a while. And then I'm going to, oh, no, I'm spending it. I'm going to go try to invest some and make bad investments and lose the money. So one of the things back to safety is we, if, if you have done well and you're a high net worth family and you want to preserve that wealth and be a good steward, that, that's how our clients um, are thinking when they're coming in to see us. Then it's like retiring as a professional athlete. And one of the first things you want to look at is, what is our baseline income that we need to produce that that's going to be there for us through thick and thin, no matter what. And let's focus on Mm -hmm. that first and and put that in place. And then we can start to build our lifestyle around that. And, you know, it puts you in a lot better place to win the long game. But on on top of that, and that's great because we've got to have a baseline, but a a lot of clients come in expecting that that's all that we're going to prep for. And so I'll get a budget from them that shows two or three thousand dollars for hobbies and vacations, and they're at you know four or five hundred thousand dollar a year income levels. And I'm just saying you're, you're crazy. No, we need to put more money in there for vacations, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. I had a client that came in the other day at 
I asked them if they had vacation in there, and they said, yeah, we, we put 5000 a year. And I kind of looked at them, and I think she thought I was raising eyebrows at it being too much. She said, well, we do really nice vacations. We like to take the whole family and go somewhere really nice. And I'm going, where are you doing that on $5,000? I, I don't get it. Yeah. So it, it's a matter of building in not just the base but the lifestyle that you want to lead. We can always back down if we need to, but I want to I want to plan for living as large as we can. That's right. Yeah, and that that's interesting because you're like you know budget twenty thirty thousand dollars to go out for on vacation and and enjoy yourself, and you know what's the worst case scenario if you don't end up spending it, you pass great. it on to the kids, <laughs> right. yeah, or exactly. just or just push it to the next year of your retirement or or whatever you know just move it on down the road. You, you know, still got that income. As I listen to us talking about this, I want to make sure that we're not projecting the wrong image to the listeners out there. Um, I'm sure there are people listening to me that fit very well in our model that are going 30000 a year on vacations. Are you out of your mind? Right. Um, that is not all we do. There are plenty of clients from both ends of the spectrum that we can plan out and make sure that everybody's got plenty of money to make it through their retirement. Yes. All right. Well, we've got a break coming up. But before we go to break, I just want to remind you, if you want to learn more about this, Go to noblecapital.com and click on Retirement Dinners. You can sign up right right there. We've got one coming up this Tuesday, February the 19th at TrueLux. We'll be right back after this break, folks. And now, back to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, we're discussing how you can achieve your target lifestyle during retirement. So in the last segment, we talked a little bit about figuring out what your target income should be. So obviously, you kind of take your baseline budget and you build into it the necessary income in order to do the things you want to do. Because let's face it, when we retire, we don't want to just give up like oh, I'm, I'm old, I'm retired, I'm just going to sit around and do nothing. No, I mean, we've spent our whole lives, you know, working, raising a family, doing a lot of things that are for other people. And when you get to retirement age, you you really deserve to go out there and do the things that you want to do. Yeah, right. It's about me now. Yeah, it's about me. It's about you. It's about each and every one of us. And retirement really is our time. It's our own time, you know? However you want to spend that time is up to you, but you do need the income to be able to do it. So let's talk a little bit more about what are some of the puzzle pieces you have to put into place to, in order to achieve that income, and, and how do you determine what's right for each person? Well, a huge one for me is is tax planning, probably more than people actually think in two or three levels past where they have thought when they think about it. So right off the bat, the most fundamental, one of those where you look back and go, wow, I should have thought of that, is saving the tax-free or tax-efficient income for later years. Because as inflation causes us to start needing more and more income, eventually we're going to pop into the next tax bracket. So if I'm going to start giving myself raises every three or four years because of inflation, I want to make sure that the stuff that's not going to count towards taxable income comes towards the end when my budget gets really big. And that concept is something that's, that's new to a lot of people. So you say towards the end when your budget gets really big. You mean towards the end of retirement? Well, or life or however you want to talk about it. But you yeah. know, if, you've got a, if you have a 60-year-old living on $100,000, you inflate that out at 3% per year until they get to 85. 
they're up two tax brackets at least going into that. So if we can start maximizing the combination of taxable and tax-free and tax-efficient income as we get further down the road, we don't keep moving up into the next tax bracket and giving more of it away just to, to maintain our lifestyle. Yeah, and I, I think the other part, which I, I thought you were implying there, is once you get closer toward the end of your life, your expenses through health care, long-term care, all of that stuff could be a lot higher. So is that something that I guess you kind of plan for as well? Yeah, exactly. So whether it's strictly for inflation or because your expenses get more, we're going to need to generate more income on a dollar per dollar basis 30 years from now than we are today. That amount of income is likely to pop us up in the next tax bracket. So I want to make sure that as we start giving ourselves raises towards the end, we're giving ourselves tax-free raises. Okay, that makes sense because you don't want Uncle Sam to rob you of your lifestyle during retirement. Exactly. Sure. I don't. I don't want to give myself a ten percent raise and lose an extra fifty percent of that raise to taxes by going from twenty-two to thirty-two percent or into one of the higher brackets. Can I have a ten percent raise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and say you know this. This might be stating the obvious here, but it needs to be discussed. You know, when part of income planning and and getting ready for retirement income is taking a look at your investments because you've been investing through the accumulation in the preservation phase. Now we're getting into the distribution phase. So this this is a kind of a, an emotional part of the process because you know, we're we get so set in our ways with our our accounts. It's amazing how many times you know, we see someone come in and they're just doing what they've always done because that's what they've always done. Man, I fight that every day. And I've used one of my favorite analogies is the turkey, cutting the turkey in half. And I'll let Jaden explain what that one is. But, you know, I, I got people coming here. They're still cutting the turkey in half 20 years after the fact. Yeah, we say that a lot around here, cutting the turkey in what half. What does that mean? You haven't heard that one? No. Sure. Well, so for our listeners out there, you'll appreciate this. And I'm sure some of you have heard it. But, you know, we talk about cutting the turkey in half. In, internally, what we're saying is, look, there's an old story that, about how – the family would, would cut the turkey in half at Thanksgiving every year until they finally had some, some family friends come over and ask them, you know, why do you cut the turkey in half for Thanksgiving? And the answer was always, well, th this is what we always did. Grandma, uh, grandma did this, gr great-grandma did this, and this has just been what we've done in our family. And, and as they went and started looking and wondering, why, let's, let's, let's look into this further. The reason why is because great-great-grandma's oven was too small to fit a whole turkey in the oven. Well, I guess cutting the turkey in half cooks the turkey quicker, probably, but it could. doesn't make sense if you don't need to, right? Yeah, so I think that, that could be either the title of the show or, or mm. the maybe one of the, the Shambhalope answers is don't cut the turkey in half in retirement, right? Yeah. So the we, we've got to get out of that stinking thinking, cutting the turkey in half, right, mentality, and and get a fresh look and and that that's really what jess offers when folks come in is they get a chance to sit down and, and look at options and, and the cool thing is you know if you if someone comes in jess and they're just going to keep spending down their portfolio can you show them the results of that at the the end i mean i know the answer but at the end of the of the plan when when they pass away what's their net worth what kind of balances are they passing on versus a approaching it a different way than just cutting the turkey in half. Yeah, of course. And that's that's pretty much the first thing that we do when we sit down. Um, well, not the first thing, but the second thing we do. Um, I want to look at the mindset that they come into the office with, which is almost always a spin down, make some assumptions on growth, whether they're going to go conservative or a little bit riskier. 
um, some reasonable um, expectations on how that money's going to uh, grow, then apply the spin down to it and see when they run out. That's good. Bottom line. Yeah, you know, um, Sean, another thing is diversification of income. Yeah. You know, I've heard that a lot. We we don't want it, all, all the income coming. Not, not not only do we want to manage the risk, but we want to diversify where we're bringing it in from. I think I asked you last episode. Well, why not just one really good income stream? Right, just go all out. You know, bet yeah. bet all on red or black. Right. Yeah. So um, and or hope the hamster hope, rodeo. Hope for the best. <laughs> so diversification's big, and and th- this is one of the things that definitely sets us apart. Is we're we have real estate investment um, expertise. Mm-hmm. And it's something we're very out front about with our clients. You know, where we are biased, we, we promote our, 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 fun, our noble capital funds in private lending and real estate investing to all of our clients on the wealth management side. And most of them participate. They like it. In fact, a lot of our clients are already investing in real estate when they come see us. But the whole conversation around real estate investing and private lending as as one of the re- retirement income tools, mm-hmm. uh, we don't have time to get all, get to break that down right now. But that's a conversation you want to come have with Jess because I'll just let him say. I mean, it, it's a it's a game changer in an income plan, especially for those that want to leave a legacy. It is. It's huge. It's like you said. It's one of the income streams. We don't put. We don't want to put everything in one basket. Um, each of the income streams that we identify on an income plan have a different purpose and they solve a different problem. Um, the private lending for me, the biggest uh, benefit of that is preservation of capital. So it's a way to, in a much safer environment than the stock market, take a portion of your portfolio and use that to generate income without depleting the principal. Yeah, and traditionally, you know, people feel like they need to have bonds in their portfolio, bonds or debt, and this private lending is debt too. It's just yeah, Texas, exactly. Texas real estate. and. You know, when you're talking six to nine percent yields, uh, that that's not a bad bond, especially backed by Texas residential real estate. Last time I checked, uh, there's a huge migration to Texas. Everybody's moving here, so I, I might want to look at that as a sector uh, for for my investment portfolio. And re- relatively speaking, that's a that's a much lower risk than the stock market. So the stock market's going to go up and down. We have bear markets and bull markets. We all know that. Um, if we knew how to time the market, we'd all be billionaires. But this is a way to. For me, it's a it's a alternative to managed money. It's a way to still get some considerably uh, high returns, relatively speaking, in a much safer environment and still preserve the principal. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's it's best to have as many tools in your belt as possible. And obviously, you know, real estate is just one of them. But it's nice to have that, you know, extra security or extra flexibility or just a different way to kind of use your money. Uh, I, I'm sure, you know, you're talking about diversification, but it also goes to risk. You know, you have different levels of risk. So, so. And, and I want to make sure as we're saying this on the air with people that don't really totally grasp what we're talking about, we're not talking about purchasing real estate. We don't want to own real estate. Um, if we own something, that means something went wrong. Um, it's a matter of using your money in the real estate market to generate income in a very safe, predictable environment without having to make you know phone calls on the weekend because somebody's water heater went out or dealing right. with somebody that's not paying their rent or trashing their your investment um, it's a way to let us take all the headaches out of it and let you put the money to work get a very respectable return in a very uh, like i said relatively speaking safe environment yeah jess is talking about lending your money on real estate instead of owning no no knock on on owning you know there's some landlords that have generated some great income but but a lot of our clients want that lifestyle um 
that we talk about in retirement, and that's not necessarily fe- fixing leaky toilets. So becoming a lender, going into a private lending fund that's throwing off six, seven, eight, nine percent interest, uh, preserve my principal and skim my interest off. That's a that's an interesting tool, and, it is. and, and there, we, we use it effectively. And there is a place in that income plan for ownership when somebody comes in with a large rental portfolio i'm not necessarily going to tell them to dump it all and go stick it in the fund sure um, but the first thing we do there is we have a, a tool that Jaden actually designed a while back that takes you two or three steps past what is uh, typically obvious to you to see what the true return on that investment is so if you've got a piece of property that once you factor everything into play that's getting you a three percent return maybe it's time to not be a landlord and take that and get six seven or eight percent yeah so earlier in the show i how you'd mentioned in response to something you were explaining that this really goes way beyond just retirement planning, right? Because we're thinking about, you know, what happens after we're gone. So what do people typically need to think about, you know, when they're planning for their, their legacy and, and how do you go about securing that for them? Well, once again, preservation of principle is number one. Um, number two is taxation. You know, a lot of people will pass an IRA down to the next generation and if you leave a hundred thousand or a million dollars to a 30 or a 40 year old in an ira account more than likely they're going to go cash it in and boom there goes 40 percent up in smoke immediately mm-hmm. so or even a home right yeah, exactly yeah. so we want to make sure that as we're planning for legacy planning we're doing it in such a way that we don't pass a tax burden on down to the next generation either yeah okay. that's good and you know it goes back to do you want to leave a legacy or not because if if it's not important to you then we we might be looking at a more aggressive spending plan just let your last check bounce yeah and you're good <laughs> but the, the the answer is most people do want to leave a legacy in fact the the answer is is actually most commonly hey we want to take care of ourselves and live our lives and then we anticipate there'll be something left over and we'll pass that on yeah that's when Jess will uh, take take it to the next step and say, "Well, let's let's get this down on paper so we can be the best steward of whatever that legacy is, and in fact, look at multiplying that by making some strategic moves today." And and also on the flip side, um, let's look at protecting that and maybe not just passing it all on in a, a big lump sum that you you know get spent down over the next 12 to 15 months but mm-hmm. maybe it goes into some accounts that you're controlling from your grave yeah that are set up to to be there for generations to come so there's some great wealth management strategies when it comes to legacy planning and to take it even a step past that right now we're talking about preserving that money so that the next generation doesn't blow it but i've actually seen I don't want to say more, but almost more lives that are harmed or destroyed by inheritances in large chunks than lives that are improved by it. Yeah. Oh. People that are not, they're not used to having a large amount of money at one time. Oh. Um, and, you know, people get into lifestyles that are not necessarily in their best interest. All of a sudden they've got a million dollars dumped on them and, and, you know, they can go off like crazy and do something stupid. Yeah, it burn it, through it, it real it quick. Enables bad behavior. And it also, it's not not always them. It's the people in their circle that realize they have money. And that's when it gets real ugly. Yeah. People come out of the woodwork. Well, if you listeners out there want to learn more, you can join us at a retirement blueprint dinner here in Austin. Just go to noblecapital.com and click on retirement dinners. You can pick the date that you want to attend and RSVP right there on our website. We've got one coming up this Tuesday, February 19th at TrueLux. We have to take a break, but we'll be back in just a minute. Talk 1370. 
once again. This is the Noble Capital Radio Hour. And we're back. If you just tuned in, we've been talking about visualizing your desired lifestyle for retirement and how to achieve the necessary income to live it. And you know, guys, there are a lot more pieces to this puzzle than I think I could have ever imagined, right? It's a big so puzzle, man. It is. It is. It's like one of those thousand-piece puzzles with the little tiny pieces yeah. that are all weird shapes. Um, but yeah, and you know, there's bound to be other people out there that are you know have the same perceptions as I do, you know. So what I'm wondering is, do you guys have any tales from the trenches about? people who come in with just a complete misconception about what their retirement or their retirement income should look like, or just a wrong-headed approach to retirement. Yeah. I mean, there's, <clears throat> there's one particular case that comes to mind when you say that, and it's, it's really a shame. When I run across circumstances like this, I don't have the ability to follow up and see what happened in the end. Um, that, that kind of, I don't want to say haunts me sometimes, but it, it kind of does. Um, when you're trying to help somebody and they just, you can lead the horse to water kind of thing. But I had a lady once that had about a million two, million three. Um, she was a widow. She was in her late fifties, maybe early sixties, and she was just spending like it's going out of style. And you know, my generation, the millionaire meant a lot. I mean, that was a big deal. If you were a millionaire, you were set for life. It doesn't mean that anymore unless you're living on an incre- incredibly low budget. Um, but she had a, she had a little over a million, and she had a big mortgage on the house. She was a, a payment person. Um, and had gone and gotten a lake house with a boat and jet skis, all of which were on payments. And when we started looking at her portfolio and what she had going out the door, she, she just wasn't going to make it. Um, the only thing that made any sense was to get rid of the lake house. And, and then she had a shot. And her response was, my, my kids and my grandkids would have a conniption if I didn't have the lake house for everybody to go hang out at. So she just stuck her head in the sand and went away. And I have no idea what happened to her, but I can guarantee if she lives a full life, she's going to run out of money. So her, her kids were basically bleeding her dry. And I don't know that they even realized it. They know, probably didn't. Mom's That's got what a lot I was going to say. You know, she's yeah, a millionaire. They probably she's, had no idea. Yeah, she's presenting herself that way, but she just didn't think it through. When we put the numbers on paper, it shocked her, and she just went away. Did you call her family into the office to look at those no, numbers? No. <laughs> Intervention. Right, we've done yeah. that once before, but no, not on that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, so mine, mine's on the opposite end of the spectrum because we, we do see the whole spectrum, if you can imagine. But we have we have folks that come in and – on the other hand, they're they're sitting on a nice pile of money, and there's this common thread we see with with a lot of folks that have accumulated a, a nice nest egg for retirement. Many of them are insecure to spend their money, and there's almost this um, underlying fear or insecurity about running out of money. Part of that is some of the the messaging that you get from from our industry you have advisors using you know fear tactics trying to scare people apocalyptic retirement the stock market's going to crash tomorrow you know run for the hills so you know we we don't we we don't buy into that Uh, we don't think good long-term relationships are built on that kind of relationship but we we would rather deal with that that insecurity and and start talking through it because you, you find that a lot of families there is actually some some strife in the household because there's really you know there's there's one partner or one spouse that might want to be going on more vacations or building more memories or experiences with the with the family or friends and then you have another another spouse that's that's just such a tightwad I you know <laughs> excuse me 
that that there's there's friction there, right. right? And and I think where we could bring them together is to build out a comprehensive income plan, and yeah. build in some margin and some budget for some of those lifestyle items, and and kind of have that that family meet in the middle. The only way I could do that if I was the tightwad, I am a tightwad sometimes, right? But I, I just need to know what happens all the way down the field. Um, am I still going to be okay? And how much money are we going to be able to pass on? And, and that kind of thing. Not having a plan just leaves you in an insecure state of mind. You know, it's, it's, as you talk that through, that is that brings me back full circle to why I really enjoy being in this industry and why I, why I stay in it. And you'll, you've, you've heard me talk about my grandfather before, and you'll hear it a million more times. He was a huge influence in my in my life and um, established some old kind of thought processes that really are absent in my generation. But my grandfather went through the depression. He knows what it's like to literally have nothing. And all my entire life, I thought my grandfather was poor. And I thought that because he never spent any money on anything. He saved every single penny he had. He wouldn't do anything fun for himself. Uh, I mean, he literally would back the car. This was hilarious. He had an LTD. He would back it out of the garage into the driveway when it rained. That's how he washed his car. He'd park it outside in the rain. And he was always afraid he would run out, never wanted to spend any money. He made it to 91, and when he did die, he left a, a, an exorbitant amount of money relative to his income, and he left it to my parents who were doing very well and didn't need it. So that money, in my opinion, got wasted to some degree when he could have been having a lot of fun if he had just had a plan. Yeah, you know, a lot of times we talk on this show about preserving your retirement savings, right? There's there's a certain phase of retirement where we think about preservation. But a couple of things I heard from you guys right now is we don't just preserve wealth. We preserve relationships, right? That's true. You're talking about a woman who was spending tons of money to make her kids happy, right? Uh, but that's not necessarily the best thing for her, right? So we need people to start thinking about these things as part of their retirement, you know, income planning strategy. But you guys really are a wealth of wisdom here. And I'm learning more and more every episode. So this is really great for me, but put your money where your mouth is. Uh, This is where my esteemed co-hosts have to come up with a phrase related to this week's episode. And I get to decide how they have to deliver it. Every week, I seal the guidelines for the game in the envelope, and I open it on air so they never know what to expect. If I stump them, they have to buy me a $100 gift card to Sam Goody so I can choose from a small selection of outdated cassette tapes. <laughs> there you go. It's my Iron Maiden there. All right, guys. Let me open the envelope. So listening to you guys gave me an idea on this episode. So I'm actually not going to use what's in the envelope this week. We're going to do this on the fly. So sum up this week's episode in any number of words, but you have to use either the phrase stinking thinking or cutting the turkey in half and extra points if you can use While the guys are racking their brains trying to put this one together, I just want to remind you that you can learn more about us at noblecapital.com. Check us out on Facebook at Noble Capital, on Instagram at Noble Capital Radio, and you can download every episode of the Noble Capital Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, guys, that's your time. What do you got for me? We got about 50 seconds left. All right, so I would say it's a new world out there. When it comes to planning for retirement, don't cut the turkey nap. Nice. You met the criteria. Nailed it. That's good. Jaden, what you got, man? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just scrap what I have here and just go right off the top of my head. Failing to put a retirement income plan together is stinking thinking. Perfect. So nobody could fit both of them in, I guess. I but thought for sure he was going to do that, it. That was, that was a little difficult. So Com- Combine ours together and then you got it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the Noble Capital Radio Hour for this week. I'm Jaden. I'm Jess. I'm Sean. And remember, life is short. Plan to enjoy it. We'll see you back here next week. All opinions expressed by the speakers on this radio program are solely the opinions of those speakers and do not reflect the opinions of Noble Capital, Acute Financial, Streamline Funding, or their respective affiliates. Each speaker's opinions are based upon information the speakers believe to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Each speaker's statements and opinions are subject to change without notice. The information discussed on this radio program is provided for general informational purposes only, does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you, and should not be construed as investment, legal, tax, or other advice on any subject matter. The inf- Information discussed in this radio program is not intended and should not be viewed or construed as a recommendation, advice, offer, or inducement to buy, sell, or hold securities, insurance products, or any other financial products. Before acting on any information discussed in this radio program, you should seek appropriate financial, investment, and other professional advice based on your particular facts and circumstances. Current or past performance is not indicative of future results. You should be aware of the real risk of loss in following any strategy or investment discussed on this radio program. No outcome or profit is guaranteed. Any transmission of information through this program is provided on a non-confidential basis and does not create an advisor client relationship between you or anyone of Noble Capital, Acute Financial, or Streamline Funding. Some information provided in this program may reference other service providers, including websites operated and maintained by third parties. Such information is included solely as a convenience to you, and the provision of such information does not imply a responsibility for such third-party information or an endorsement of the linked site, its operator, or its contents. Acute Financial and Streamline Funding are both wholly owned subsidiaries of Noble Capital. Noble Capital, Acute Financial, Streamline Funding, and or their respective affiliates and principals, which may include the speakers and guests featured on this radio program, may receive compensation from the sale of financial products featured in this program. Reproduction, distribution, republication, and or retransmission of any portion of this program is strictly prohibited without the prior written permission of Acute Financial, Noble Capital, and Streamline Funding.